talk racing to me. Very happy to have you here with me once again, Naomi Tucker, your host as usual, fresh off the plane from Florida. Well, not completely fresh off it. It was, it was a bit of a challenge getting home, actually. A couple of uh, cancelled flights, but we made it, we made it. We're back in the mid-Atlantic region. But of course, I could not let the week go by without revisiting the excellent action that we saw on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. And I've got two very, very special guests in store for you, both making their debut on the Talk Racing To Me podcast. And one of them, well... One of them was the man that guided both Colonel Liam and Life is Good to victory, Irad Ortiz Jr. I got the pleasure of bumping into him at the Hibika TV studio. Incredible team up there. Always love going up and seeing what they do. And he was there for an interview. So I got the chance to get a couple of uh, words out of him. Irad, massive congratulations, of course, winning the Pegasus World Cup turf as well as the Pegasus World Cup. Let's start with the turf, the fact that you were able to come back with Colonel Liam to recapture his crown. Were you worried with the lengthy layoff? I know you've been sitting on him in the mornings a couple of times as well. Honestly, I worked a couple of times and he was really, really good. I was working with him without whip. He was working one minute on dirt. Uh, it's a good work on dirt. It's a, I mean, he worked good in the morning on the dirt, but he was working really good. I mean, like something like I feel like he's doing really good, and I know the trainer can can do can do it. He can come from a layoff and bring it ready. So I just stay positive on him, and he come back. He come back like like he left. So I was I was so happy, you know. Talk me through the race, your your position, and when you broke and kind of throughout. Well, honestly, I mean, he broke good. He broke sharp. Uh, like we expect, but uh, he put me in a great position. I just buy my time. I was saving ground, and I wait my time to go. When I just drop the hands, he just start moving really, really good. And when we turn for home, I start asking a little more aggressive, and he respond well, like he always does. And when you came back into the winner's circle, and, and you did the interview with NBC, and you were emotional, it, it meant something. What was kind of going through your mind? Well, it was a tough month, honestly. Uh, the way that things happens, uh, got an accident on the gate. Uh, doctor told me six weeks, uh, four to six weeks. Uh, it's only one doctor told me I can make it after I see the two doctors, and uh, it was just my. I mean, it was emotional because uh, for a second I thought I never can make it. I can ride the race, so I was getting prepared before I hit ahead to the meet. For that race and you know get a new like that you know hit you uh people like us that we love what we do and and just means a lot it means a lot and thanks the doctor he always stay positive he believe on me and we make it thanks god <laughs> well certainly when you have good horses like colonel liam and of course we'll talk about life is good did that help you motivate you wanting to come back of course of course uh, you don't find those kind every single day you know so they are special horses you want to sit on it I just want to be out there on, on top of them, and if if I'm not, you know, I will try with any horse. But I mean, that's that's what we that's what we're looking for, you know. We love what we do. We love to win some good horses, and they are really good. So I'm just blessed and grateful. Oh, and of course, the other victory was life is good. Absolutely outwardly performance, like in, incredible. 
Was the game plan to always try and get to the front? And of course, we knew that Nick's goal would have some speed. Did you expect that he wasn't going to be there? Honestly, I expect a match race. Honestly, I was I, I was as, as, uh, expecting, you know, on my mind. But my whole just was fast going to the first turn, man. I know he's fast, but I thought the horse got a little more speed. When we break, I see another horse ahead of him. I say, man, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. I, I break quiet to see what was going on in the going to the first time. But as soon as I see that, I just ask my horse and he respond fast. He respond in two jumps. He just make the lead and he open up three, four, like like nothing without, I just was sitting on it. Yeah. Well, and, and quick, obviously final words. You went outwards in the final, in the back stretch. Why did you move out? Honestly, I was, I mean, that was what I want to do. Honestly, I, I feel like I'm going comfortable. I'm going a little fast, but comfortable. So I don't want nobody outside of me pressing me and move me before I want to. So I just decide to go out in the backside. We don't lose any ground going straight. So I just decide to get out and if somebody want to move earlier, go in and then I just move whenever I want to. Final, yeah, right. what was going through your mind in those final starts? I saw you starting to pat him already before the wire. You, you knew you had it in the bag, right? Man, honestly, when we turned for home, I asked him to go before we, we hit the stretch and he was responding. He take three strike, four strike, but as soon as he changed the lead, he broke again, so he gave me a little run. I said, "Man, it's it's almost impossible to catch him." You know, I know they they will come they will come in because I'm going a little fast, but it's just hard to catch him because he re break. And I, when I look, I mean, it was over honestly. So I just wrap it up. Would you say he's the best horse you've ever sat on? On dirt, definitely. A big statement from three-time champion jockey Irad Ortiz Jr. 14-time Breeders' Cup winner, including that Breeders' Cup classic on Vino Rosso. But my next guest, even though Irad Ortiz Jr. might be a tough act to follow, well, this is a man who knows the Gulfstream Park circuit inside and out. My dear colleague, Ron Nicoletti. I'm so glad to have you with me here on Talk Racing to me today. Of course, we had a tremendous weekend of action at Gulfstream Park. I feel like I was very lucky uh, to join uh, the team in Gulfstream and, of course, uh, enjoyed it very much. But we're going to go over some of these incredible performances. But first things first, how are you doing right now and how was the, the weekend and the week for you? It was good. You know, it's always a tough week, the Pegasus World Cup, but, uh, you know, you reap the spoils and get all the joy on that Saturday. So glad you joined us. You know, a little chilly. I know you were a little chilly and all the girls were a little <laughs> chilly with their your sparse outfits on, but it turned out to be a really fast, fantastic day. And if you just look at all the people that talk about it online and you know, Twitter and whatever, everyone seemed to have a good day and we saw some fantastic racing. True, absolutely incredible performance. But yes, when you're female and you're wearing a sort of flimsy dress and all of a sudden <laughs> temperatures drop and it was quite windy, then yeah. you wonder where the Florida sun has gone. But look, I was very lucky because I came from about 30 Fahrenheit during the day in Maryland. So I still felt like it was a lot warmer than before. But yeah, it was very, very enjoyable. Let's start with, well, the race that everyone was talking about beforehand. And afterwards, the Pegasus World Cup Invitational. It was coined to be this huge matchup between Life is Good and Nick's Go. Now, in the end, Nick's Go still finished second. But in a way, we didn't get that sort of ding-dong battle down the lane that we thought we were going to see. 
you know, all week long and uh, we were privy to and you two just watching horses school. And I just kept going, looking at life as good. I said, boy, if this horse runs like he looks, it's going to be all over for everybody. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, he just busted out of the gate. And it was just, you know, one of those performances that you're going to check off in four years from now, five years now, you'll still be talking about it. No matter what happens to all the horses in the future, if they win other races or anything like that, it was that impressive. I mean, this horse just broke out of the gate. And basically, it was over, you know. And I had to speak mm -hmm. with Joel Rosario after the race, you know, who was on Nick's go. And he said that, you know, he had to go from a, you know, a, 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 you know, thought he'd be on the lead. He had to just go to a stalk chase mode to try and catch the horse. But uh, no troubles at the start for uh, for Nick's go. So life is good. Was that impressive? Got a 110 buyer. And as I said, it's one of those races you're not going to forget for a long time. And it did look like, because Life is Good was so dominant from the moment <laughs> the gate opened, it looked like Nick's goal got away a little bit sluggish. So it's interesting to hear that Joel Rosario was saying, no, this is kind of normal. Life is Good was just that dominant out of the gate. But then I do want to mention Stiletto Boy was in front of Nick's goal before the first turn. Yeah, yeah, you know, he ran very well, you know, of course, he was a big price of like 26 to 1, and he ran very well. And, you know, uh, the greatest thing I read afterward was Brad Cox saying that, you know, he basically uh, got beat by a better horse, you know what I mean? He had no excuses. I asked Joel that exact question with Nick Scott, you know, you know, uh, Arad might have squeezed him a little bit at the start, but he said it did not matter. It, you know, it was just that dominating, so... Uh, Good to talk to them and just so lucky to be able to see that race along with you. Yeah, definitely share those feelings because watching that race and seeing how much distance Life is Good was putting between him and the field, we were all wondering, is he going to back up? He's going a mile and eighth. Can he keep this up? And then when he kind of just kept on rolling, it started to feel a little bit surreal. We, we were all kind of, what did we just witness? Like, how good... Is this horse? Have we seen his top yet? Because he continues to improve. And I spoke with Irad uh, Ortiz Jr. a little bit later as well. And he was saying this horse was just rolling underneath me. He was giving me everything in the best possible way. Just such a talent. Of course, an incredible training performance by, by Todd Pletcher, who trained both Pegasus World Cup Invitational <laughs> and Pegasus World <laughs> Cup Turf, Victor. So let's move on to the turf, which was in a way seen as a lot more of an open field. If if you were to look at, yes, Colonel Liam was trying to defend his title, but we hadn't seen him since June of 2021. So all of a sudden, you started to look at all these other horses that had also won, run triple digit buyers. But in the end, with a, a gorgeous ride from Irad Ortiz, just positioning him behind the speed on the outside, Colonel Liam just kicked clear as well. You know, Kurt, that was a great training job by Todd Pledger. I mean, to get this horse, uh, not since June, to run, the horse looked fantastic. You know, and maybe, you know, the horse that I actually picked on top, never surprised. You know, it's tough to win from that outside post. Uh, you don't make an excuse. I just think that Colonel Liam was good, but never surprised. Once again, Todd Pletcher finishes 1-2 in the Pegasus incredible. Cup, Turf Cup Invitational with two incredible horses. But Nick uh, Colonel Liam, what you what you take away from that was just the incredible training job uh, that Todd Pletcher did. That's that's what I'll always remember about that. Besides the fact it was a great race watching those two run and Space Traveler was coming up the rail to finish third. Looked like he might have had a little bit of trouble in there, but I don't think I, I you know 
Arad just rode this horse perfectly, Colonel Liam. So uh, uh, once again, a great performance and tough to repeat, as you know. Very, very tough. I, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head here saying that this was an out-and-out top training performance from Top Pletcher, being able to have a horse that's not seen the range track for so long to peak in a tough field on the day without a prep race is, ooh, I mean, I, I don't even know how he did it. Now, I did know that Irad Ortiz Jr. was very, very high on Colonel Liam coming and he'd been sitting on him in the morning and was saying that he was doing very, very well. But well enough to win in a field that is competitive, it seemed you know, quite evenly matched because there were horses coming in with race fitness. There were horses coming in with good buyer speed figures that, technically speaking on paper, you think could best Colonel Liam. Well, not the case at all. And indeed, you mentioned the exacta for a top pleasure would never surprise it. Indeed, space travel, a little bit unlucky. I think he was lacking some room about the 7th, 8th pole uh, as well. Of course, European rider Jamie Spencer came over for that. But I think... From a betting point of view, this was the race I was most interested in. And in in a way, I guess for the betters, it was unfortunate that the favorite <laughs> one, if they were looking for a price in their exotic wagers, but it's still uh, quite the incredible story. Because we had another race that was introduced this year. So we had a third Pegasus World Cup event, the Philly and Mare Turf that was about 1 and 160 miles on the turf. And it was the first renewal. We had a good competitive field as well. But in the end, uh, regal glory for trainer Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz aboard was just dominant. If you go back and look at that race, this horse just was a ton the best. Had trouble all the way around. It was just so impressive. And, you know, I was trying to get cute like everybody else to try and beat this horse. But mm -hmm. just ran a fantastic race because he probably, you know, all the different maneuvers he had to make the horse probably, you know, she probably gave up two or three lengths and was still able to come just flying down the stretch to win it. I was very impressed with her, her performance. And uh, of course, you know, how good Chad Brown is on the turf. So, and, and, you know, it was a very chalky day. As we mentioned, these three horses yeah. were all logical choices. So I, I don't remember what the Rainbow Six paid. I think it was like $77 or something mm -hmm. like that. But it was just a beauty that you got to see the races, uh, you know, these races run. And the inaugural Philly and Mayor Turf, that's going to be a great race because that's a great spot for Phillies to have a chance to run. I agree. And I remember speaking with Aiden Butler about the creation of this race. It was, uh, of course, the fact that the turf program has been gaining traction among horsemen and women and that to have a race for the ladies uh, around mm -hmm. this kind of mile 16 or about mile 16 distance makes it even better, really a, a good spot to place these, I don't know, tough turf mares that you now see because Regal Glory was a six-year-old. We see these fillies compete longer and longer at the top level. It seems like with age, she's just gotten better. Yeah, so and, you know, once again, uh, I think it's going to be a great addition to the Pegasus Day uh, situation, and uh, it was wild there, you know, just uh, you know, with the new uh, what do you call it, carousel area. Carousel I, I didn't club. Know, yeah. yeah, carousel club. <laughs> I mean, it was just great. There was so many good different things going on. I just wish it would have been about eight degrees warmer. It would have been absolutely perfect then. <laughs> Yeah, with a little bit less wind as well. Yeah. There was a little bit of a wind tunnel situation yeah. going on on, yeah. on the horse, horse path. But hey, no. Ronnie, did you not go over to have a drink in the carousel club? I did not get a chance, but it is absolutely beautiful. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, like I said, a busy day. And by the time we got around to race number 12, it was time to sort of 
relax. And, uh, you know, you know, we came back with 11 races uh, on Sunday. So we couldn't go out partying too much. Well, my little birdies told me that you like to hang out with Christine Lees. Is that, is that where you went in the end? Yeah, of course. <laughs> my name is synonymous with Christine Lee. <laughs> that, that is very true. So if anyone ever wants to come and say hello to Ronnie, go to Christine Lee's. <laughs> After the last, he'll be sitting on the corner of the bar with a, with a group of friends as you're right. always surrounded by wonderful people, including, I think, uh, the latest addition to the team here, uh, Brian Nado as well, who likes to join you there too. So you make a good, yeah. good pair. But yeah. um, to round things up, mm-hmm. what would you say have been the best or most impressive performance of the day? That, that was a Speaker's Corner in the Fred Hooper for Belmont. This horse was just so incredible in that race. You just went out and set those unbelievable fractions. And, you know, just talking about Pletcher, you know, with the finishing second in that race with Fearless. But Speaker's Corner just went out and set those, you know, blistering fractions. 22 and 4, 45 and 4, 110, and just drew off like it was, a, you know, a jiggy jog in the park. So that was the one that I thought, you know, coming in with a pair of triple-digit buyers already for Bill Mott, I think this is a horse that, you have, you know, it's going to be fun to watch throughout the year, no matter where they go with this horse. So that was the one that impressed me the most, but, you know, not to slight anybody else in the card. And being a good friend of Bill Mott's and just love the work that he does, I was sort of like this one, I mean, was second choice, 150 to the dollar over fearless, uh, you know, fearless in that race. But uh, just, I love watching that horse. He just was so powerful, you know. And uh, that always gives me a little couple of goosebumps, you know. Yeah, Bill Mott preventing Top Pletcher from another <laughs> graded stakes win on the day. Fearless <laughs> trained by Top Pletcher, <laughs> ridden by Louis Size. But indeed, Speaker's Corner, so, so strong in his return as a now four year old. And like you said, the triple buyer speed figures coming into this. But I think the most exciting part for me as well is that this is a horse, like, like you mentioned, that we will be seeing in those big other races. He came back here at the mile, but he's done really well over a mile and an eighth before as well so it seems like he's got a wealth of opportunities to ply his trade throughout his four-year-old season of course hall of famer bill mott will have no problem uh figuring his career out and placing him in the you know in those spots that will see him again at the highest level i think the next step will probably be a grade one right yeah, well, I think they met Mile or something like that. I you know, really didn't talk to him about it, but wherever it is, I'll be there watching, that's for sure. <laughs> I think we all will. Well, Ronnie, I know <laughs> that you've got a big day of work coming up uh, again. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That concludes this week's Talk Racing to me. It's Thursday, February the 3rd. It's evening here about time I head to bed. It's been an incredible week. Now, I'm also tired because I'm physically a little bit drained. I uh, went to sparring class for Krav Maga and I got my my butt handed to me, basically. So it's time uh, for some uh, rest here. But this time next week, it's about 10.40pm here, I'll be at the Eclipse Awards. I've never been before. This is my first time ever. I can't believe that I'll be joining Peter Thomas Fornatel and fingers crossed maybe Matt Taylor's off at the races to pick up our multimedia Eclipse Award. I still can't believe that I was so fortunate to be part of such a terrific team. And of course that, as usual, as is something also that is the foundation of this podcast, 
people graciously allowed us to write down and memorize their stories and and how these British Cup races unfolded for them without everyone that joins us, without all the interviewees giving us some of their time, we wouldn't be able to showcase racing like we do. So immense gratitude to all of you who love the sport as much as I do and continue to want to promote it as well. So wish me luck. I'm going to get dressed up and fly out. And can you tell I'm, I'm quite excited about it so I'll be back with a I'll find some uh, interesting guests next week I dare say the entire horse racing industry will be uh, flying towards the west coast in the meantime stay healthy stay safe and good night or morning or afternoon whichever moment of the day it is when you're listening to this podcast I'm grateful that you joined once again and hopefully you learned a little bit Had some fun listening. We'll be back again next week.